What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Three to the Dome podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Maggio. Today, my special guest is the one and only Jack Settleman from Snapback Sports, Snapback Chat from a slew of other places. Uh, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much. Just reliving the loss last night for the Knicks, but we move on. Wizards on Wednesday. Wizards on Wednesday. We move. Uh, you know, all-star point guard, Alfred Payton, back in action. Uh, no Isaiah Thomas for the Wizards, but it is what it is. Um, busy trade deadline. Busy trade deadline. Uh, sort of surprising, I would say. Like, Marcus Morris get moved was not surprising. We all saw that coming. Uh, or figured it would happen, at least. Surprising is maybe Andre Drummond getting dumped for essentially a second-round pick. A bag of chips is what I thought. Uh, a bag of chips. Uh, I mean, he looked good in his throwbacks. Cav uniforms last night, but the Cavs looked... Got awful. The Cavs haven't looked good all year, so no. I don't know if that's a Drummond thing. Uh, but no, I mean they have the best front court in the NBA now. It's Andre Drummond, it's Kevin Love, it's Tristan Thompson. I mean, do they have the best front court, or they just have a lot of people who were go- like three years ago? They have the best front court in the league by far. By far, by far, uh, they I probably give them the edge to the Knicks forward situation. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see that slugfest, but uh, it, I I don't know, man. Uh, don't really know. Why the Cavs did that other than to just get a name, which... Well, they gave up nothing, in theory. But the question is, did other teams around the league know that that was the price you had to pay for Drummond? And by the price, I mean no price for Drummond. Like, I know the Rockets are going small ball, but would it make sense to get Andre Drummond? I know the Clippers have a host of big men, but would it have made sense to give up a second-round pick in Mo Harkless for Andre Drummond? They talk about needing size. So do you think... The league was shocked and wished they had maybe visited those conversations a little more. Yeah, I mean, I give I give Andre Drummond a lot of uh, kind of unnecessary flack. I think he's a good player. I just don't know if his skills really are super impactful anymore. Um, but that said, the value of it, I I would agree. I mean, I don't know if anybody knew that he was available for a bag of chips, basically. <laughs> and if he was, I'd imagine at least a couple more teams would have gotten involved because. I don't necessarily hate what the Cavs did because I almost think it's what they... It's like a trade version of what they did with the Kevin Love signing. They knew they weren't going to get anybody. So they were just like, Kev, we're just going to pay you a lot of money. At worst, at worst, you're another asset for us to try to sell to somebody else. You get paid anyway, whatever. Same thing it seems like with Andre Drummond. He's due for a payday. It seems like they got him in for nothing so that they can sign him for whatever and then flip a Kevin Love and now you got an Andre Drummond sit it's this I don't know. To me it just seems like that's what they're trying to do is just recoup assets however they can, which I get, but I don't know where he where else he could have went. The Knicks were interested. Yeah, so I was about to say and revisit that. So everyone gave the Knicks a ton of crap for for Including co- me. Right, including, including me, yes. you for but my stance was like, all right, we contacted them. I want my GM reaching out and finding out the market value sure. of this guy. I know it wouldn't make any sense because it would stunt the development, but Mike Miller's already stunning the development by starting Taj Gibson. Would it be the worst thing in the world if Andre Drummond was getting Taj Gibson's minutes and teaching Mitchell Robinson for a bag of chips? I don't know, but you have to think, like, around the league, another team could have absolutely used him. I know his skill set isn't great, but, like, guy puts up 20-20 games on the right. He's not useless. Everybody likes to act like he's... A dinosaur, so he's useless. He's not useless. He He's good. He should start somewhere. He's just really weird to build around. So he can't be your top guy, so that means he's got to be a really good second option with the amount of money he's going to get. So where does he fit in as a second option? I don't know. It seems like the rest of the league didn't really know for him to 
have the Pistons not want to pay him and dump him for a, a, a you know a deal like that. Um, but uh, moving on because I don't want to spend too much time on Andre <laughs> Drummond, who is who he is. Uh, Andre Iguodala, back in action. I didn't catch the game, but I checked the box score. Iggy, 22 minutes, had two points, two shot attempts. Looks like he picked up some boards, a few assists. I think his role on the team is to be a veteran leader, which is weird for the amount of money they paid him. So transitioning a little bit right into the Minnesota deal, um, D'Angelo Russell finally reunited with Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, after a Can long I last. cut you off? Yeah. Did you know that... Cat and D'Lo were best friends because yeah. that came as a shock to me. I must not follow like the friendships in the NBA. I know Kyrie and KD were good friends. I didn't realize they were best friends, and Kyrie could bring him to play in Brooklyn out of market with a team that will never win a championship. <laughs> and I didn't know the same for D'Lo and Cat. Like I didn't realize they were best buds. Yeah, uh, so I had known for a while. I, like that 2015 draft was one of my favorite drafts. I really liked Towns. I really liked. D'Lo, I was super high on. I was hoping the Knicks got him. I thought that was point guard of the future. Uh, could have had him again, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, but I knew they were best friends. They, they, they've come up together. They've played together. Uh, they've wanted to play together. Booker included. They're all, all three of them are very open about it for the last couple of years. So, for whatever reason, two of them are now in Minnesota. Uh, it took one Andrew Wiggins getting shipped out to go to the Warriors, which I actually like pretty low-key. Um, what were your thoughts about that? Because that's the only real, like, major, major, major move. So you mentioned Booker, and I had to answer the question on my own podcast last night. Is there any way, like, he's, he just signed an extension. He's in Phoenix, right? Right. And the Wolves don't have any more draft capital or really assets to give up to get him. So, like, that pipe dream, it's, it's more of just a pipe dream than realistic, right? He, he'd basically have to join... If if they were both committed to staying together, it would likely be in in Minnesota. So he'd have to come after that deal. Like I, okay. I like the way I'm imagining okay. it is like you're right because they have no more. At, you could always accumulate things, but at the moment they have nothing. So they don't have the asset. They're not going to move either one of those guys to get him. They They're going to get a top. Rookies. They didn't trade their first, did they? I don't think. Or so. they they protected it maybe. So, I I well, just I, think so. I got the full details here. So. The Wolves received D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman. The Warriors received Andrew Wiggins. It was a protected 2021 right. first-round pick. So it wasn't this year, but next. Okay. And it's protected one through three. So just the top three picks is all they care about, uh, which not a surprise. And then also a 2021 second-round pick. So in theory, they could trade the first for this year over the summer? Is I, that like – like? because I, I just see people posting about Booker – D'Lo and Cat. I just don't think it's happening. I don't, unless Phoenix sold dramatically low, or they really, really love somebody in, in this draft, which would be like I, I would, I would like the Knicks to take a point guard, even if they can't shoot this year, right? But I still wouldn't consider those guys to a lock to outproduce what Booker does. So I don't understand why you do that when you have him locked in. He's young, so pretty much anything that would come with those three is going to come down the line. I think it's going to be like LeBron playing with Wade a decade into right. his career. I don't I, – obviously, we haven't seen them play yet. I think point guard is huge, especially with Cat. Cat made a comment that this is going to help him stay in Minnesota because he was on his way out. He was he, pissed. He was, he was pissed. very close to demanding trades, complaining, throwing people under the bus. So this kind of saved that. And it wasn't like 
they made a move to save him, and it was a dumb move that, like, mortgaged their future. I think this is a great move. Yeah, I mean, it just it's addition by subtraction before you even look at the actual additions that they got from this. Like, I think Andrew Wiggins gets a little bit undue flack. Like, there was a lot of potential. Does he? A lot of potential, right? Definitely, definitely should be better. I think he's got the potential to be. But I think we also kind of over-dramatize him being bad. I think he's more miscast as a top option than he is bad. Like, him him running isos should never be a thing, right? Like, he's not the guy you want to get in the bucket. But he's also, he's a good cutter. He's a good slasher. Like, if you give him a good he's system He's improved his three-pointers year over year. But there's been a huge media spin since he got shipped to Golden it's, State. It's too much the other way now. Right? It's, it's too like, much the other way, too. Like, every advanced metric would say Andrew Wiggins is one of the worst players in NBA history. <laughs> in terms of efficiency, like, he really is that bad. And then you watch, and his play style of shooting long two-pointers yep. is bad. His lazy defense, his lapses of judgment, they're all there. There's no doubt he has the skill and athleticism and was a top pick. But now he's in Golden State, and you never know because you might play in a better system. You might play around way more talented players, and it may unlock him. But for people to say, oh, he scored 24 points, he's not in that new system yet. He's not with the new players. And the fact that people are framing it as like, look what Wiggins could be, like I mean, he doesn't just make a jump in year six. It, but it, that's just more speaking to the, the ridiculousness of the post-trade uh, deadline conversations because the Rockets traded Clint Capella, right? And everyone's mm-hmm. like, ah, I don't know, that's pretty extreme. P.J. Tucker's got to put on, you know, <laughs> right. uh, stilts, stilts yeah. to try to play center now. So we, we all got our jokes off, right? And then they beat the Lakers. We're like, wow, man, they might really be onto something. This could really work. The I Rockets still really think they are. I still think they are. I mean, which which they might be. But my point is, like, we're always really quick to, like, that first game be like, wow, this fixed everything. And, like, yeah, Wiggins looked great the first night. There's absolutely no denying it. 24 points, look really good. Um, I do think he's going to benefit from playing in an, an actual system, one where it's not like, okay, you're the star, we're mm-hmm. relying on you to do X, Y, and Z, and the other guy's got to fit in. It's just like, hey, man, uh, you know what it is here. It's Stephen Clay, even when healthy. Draymond's there, you know, shoring up the paint. Like, can you fit in? Can you make some open threes for us? Can you cut? Can you stay active? And I feel like those are low asks of him, and I feel like he should be able to fit in with that kind of a system. And if he doesn't, that's bad news for the you know the Warriors, obviously, because there's a ton of money tied into Wiggins. So he kind of has to work. This season is lining up to be kind of what the Niners benefited from. I mean, the league gets to forget about the Warriors for one year, but next year it's scary. It's I mean, giant. you hear the owner of the Warriors, he's excited. He's like, we're going to use our mid-level. We have a trade exception. We have assets. We're going to have a top pick. And we're going to have Steph and Clay come back after not playing for so long. Draymond's going to be rested because they keep sitting him out. Like, the Warriors, are they could easily be that superpower again next year. And that's if they bundle, if they even blow the draft pick. Like, just having Wiggins, Draymond, Steph, Clay, they'll be, they should still be one of the best teams. I don't disagree. And I remember as soon as I saw... Looney? We, we, Looney. They learned about Pascal. Like, they got to try out their young talent, which is a crazy concept. Crazy. It's <laughs> insane, really. You just let them play. But I mean, look... They're going to be really good again. As soon as Steph went down, I kind of felt that way because it was like they got too much bad luck at the end of last season, and then it kind of became a perfect storm of like, well, the sign and trade worked out to get D'Lo. Now they got more assets from it again. So, like, that worked out, and they really made the best out of a really terrible situation that could have ended most dynasties. This is why good franchises stay good, and good ownership is very important. But, again, different conversation. Um, 
I mean, I like it. I think they're set up for the future. And, you know, getting back to the Wolves real quick, I do think, you know, an underrated part of what they did this deadline was pick up Malik Beasley. Totally. I mean, I'd like for my Knicks to throw some money at him, but um, you need that kind of a fit. Like, you know, D'Angelo Russell is a, a point guard, a high usage, as any point guard in the NBA that's worth a damn is, and he's going to score and assist and play make, and you need shooters besides just pick and rolling with Cat. And I think... You know, obviously D'Lo is going to be a big help offensively, but like Malik Beasley, to me, is a guy they should try to keep there too. Yeah, I think the Timberwolves totally benefited from the Nuggets bench and guard wings being so deep, right? They have Murray, Harris, they have like all those guys to where Malik Beasley was a really good player. They Porter Porter Jr., like he probably could have been a really good player for the Nuggets. He just fell on the end of the depth chart. Now the Wolves get a chance to try him out, see what he could do. He played great in his first game, and that could become an asset. Do they have to re-sign him after the season? Is that why they trade him? He's on an expiring deal? Yeah, I mean, that's why I want the Knicks to throw money at him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much Minnesota's going to throw at them now that they have Cat locked up on a max yeah. and Elo, so I don't know how far they're willing to go up, but... Just speaking from a basketball fit perspective, it'd be nice if he hung around. And if he leaves, they just got to find somebody like that. Like, is a Damian Dotson available from the Knicks? And I'm not even trying to be, like, funny. Like, yeah. where are they going to get the – you just need another couple low-usage catch-and-shoot guys who are going to be active on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, no funny playmaking, no ISO. Just – they're going to run the pick-and-roll to death in Minnesota now. You know it's going to be D-Lo and Cat Show. Who's going to be available to get it, you know, knocked on those kick-out jumpers? That's it. Like, Beasley's one of the better guys that's going to be available. They should pony up to try to keep him. Do we think there's a coaching or culture problem there? Because people like to point at Jimmy Butler said, you know, these guys are bums. These guys don't try hard. They're losers. And he left. And Rose has left and played great. And Mm -hmm. there's been a bunch who have gone through Minnesota now. Covington, obviously, I mean, he was only there for a short time. But is that an issue? I think it could be. Because those guys aren't like your true leader guys who take over a locker room and they need top-down stuff. They're both really young. Right, and I think it's an excellent point. And this is one of those conversations that if you have online, people always make it out like you got to pick one side or the other. Like, I love Carl Anthony Towns. Big, big fan when he was at Kentucky. Big, big fan coming to the NBA. Wanted the Knicks to take him. Wanted the Knicks to trade for him every year. Like, I'm dying for him to be a Nick, and I— I've always, from afar, enjoyed the Timberwolves franchise. Like, it's nice to root for him, right? But he's soft. Like, he's been soft. Jimmy mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler yes. was not wrong right. about when he was a- mad at uh, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. He was not wrong. So I do think that – I don't know if it's like a full-blown culture issue, but I do, I do think it's okay to be like, they got some growing up to do. They've been soft. I mean, pal, remember for years? Pal, soft, Euro trash. Yeah. You, you, all these terrible things they'd call him, right? He finally, he gets a good teammate in Kobe. He goes, and, and Kobe's obviously an all-time great, you know, top two, three shooting guard ever. Um, so it's a little bit different, but, like, at least going to play with another good player, I think, helps you to be like, okay, like, I got to get more serious. And I don't think they were ready for Jimmy. I think Jimmy was too intense. Like, they were still too young to want to deal with Jimmy, and Cat probably wanted to be face of the franchise. You know, I think now having gone through it and realizing, like, oh, this is how bad it can get without anybody – He's. I would. I would hope he's learned to be like. I appreciate this. I really got to make this work and give a better effort now. I think 
And we can even go back. Think about the T-Wolves. Kevin Garnett was nasty for them. They never had any success. Kevin Love was nasty for them. They literally had zero success. And then those players go otherwise, other places, and they win championships. So you have to imagine there's some root problem. They don't get as much flack as the Knicks do, obviously. But I'm curious, like, if they need that third piece, do they need, like, a tough, tough-minded player, probably? Honestly... They they would need like a Jimmy, but what I think is, right that that's who I had in my head. I was yeah. like, who completes this team? It's a wing like Jimmy Butler, yeah, and, and I don't think if it's not a wing like a Jimmy who's tough like that, then I think you got to look at somebody who's like a really hard nosed four that's going to go in and just do a lot of the dirty work that Cat doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. But when you have that kind of a guy, then it changes how you use Cat a little bit because now you got to let that guy clean up things in the paint, so space Cat out more and get him out wide, but. I feel they do. They need somebody like that. And I'm interested to see what they do with this rebuild now because I think the offense is going to be excellent. I don't know how you could have a better offense than D'Angelo Russell, running point guard, Carl Anthony Towns at center. You got shooters at the ass for the rest of the year. Like, I, I think they're going to be in good shape. It's just what? where do you go from here? And I think picking up those tough veteran pieces, like not for nothing, and he's he wasn't going to be available for what it seemed like he was going for because he got the extension. Taking a flyer on an Iguodala would have been nice. Like, just getting another... Right. A, the he, veteran leadership I thought, I thought they should have just held on to Covington. I, the contract maybe made that difficult. Co- Covington's, like, my favorite player in the NBA to have on a team. Like, he, he you put him anywhere. on any team, anywhere. and he fits perfectly. For the Rockets, though, he actually, like, fits like a glove. Like, they need that wing defense, and they need that just... He can knock down the open shot. That was a great trade. I, I mean, I've said it before. I'm all in on what Maury did. They adapted the system to him, to what they have. It unlocked Russ. Russ was awesome last night again. Since I've, December 5th, he's been. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, unbelievable. And, and Now if you can get Harden and Russ to play well in this system, I actually think that is realistic. Now they can touch the ball enough to get them each open shots, play to their strengths. I don't know. Yeah, so speaking of that, the Rockets real quick uh, as we move on. So they ended up receiving Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and the 2024 second-round pick. Um, 2024 second? Yeah, I, I got to <laughs> check who it's from. Um, but the Hawks then got Clint Capella and uh, Nene, and the Wolves received Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, a 2020 first-round pick, lottery-protected, and uh, the Nuggets then got Gerald Green, Kieta Bates-Diop, Shabazz Napier, who I I've, I'll always have a soft spot for Shabazz, and it hurts yeah. to see him bounce around. Uh, Noah Vonley, former Nick legend, OKEC, and uh, <laughs> 2020 first-round pick. So, I mean, I kind of like this move on all sides. I like, th- I like the, the Wolves getting Beasley, obviously, as we mentioned before. I like Capella actually going to give Trey some hope at defense in Atlanta. He's a really bad defender. I didn't realize until I saw Alfred Payton take him off the dribble <laughs> and just give him work. That's not a good sign. But I, he obviously didn't play last night. John Collins has, you know, he's taken steps. I feel like he was going to be, like, they wanted him almost at an all-star level this year, which was probably unrealistic. He didn't take a leap big enough to even really see that happening next year. But that young core seems like it should be good, and they're the worst team in the league. I someone had mentioned to me on Twitter before, like before the season even started. Herder's good. Like I'm confused why they're so bad. They they I think it's because they went all in on offense and the guys that they wanted to pan out 
defensively like a hunter. Yeah. Had. And it's like I think that's tough. So I think Collins not being able to play any defense doesn't really help. Trey Young playing no defense doesn't help. So it's like, yeah, if they score 140 points a night like last night, like great, they have a chance. But if Trey doesn't score 40 and Herder doesn't score 20 and Collins isn't chipping in, then like you can't have an off, an off night. If you right. have an off night, you're getting blown out. Right. So I think Capella coming in helps. I think that's the like hope. how are the how did the Knicks have a better record than that team? That to me is like mind boggling. Like I get the Warriors; they have nothing right now. Their starting five was hilarious on Saturday night. But like, yeah. how can the Knicks actually have more wins? The coaching maybe, but I don't think it's our trays. I mean, should we start the narrative? Like, are Trey Young stats empty calories? They're not empty. I really do think that that team is just so bad. Like, I, I don't know what it. They, that's they did my have point. Injury. They have talent. So, though. so but John Collins missed. What, the he first did. 25 games of the but season? But they haven't been better since. Right. So I don't know how much better they'd actually be, but it's a weird team, man. It, I, I don't. They shouldn't have been this bad. I can't – to me, it's it's mostly a, a team-wide defensive deficiency, where it's, it's like nobody seems any interested. Yeah, no interest. And, in and for what it's worth, too, like, I'm a big Julius Randle guy. Everyone knows this. Mm-hmm. He put up, like, 35 and almost 20 last yeah. night, right? Julius Randle should not be putting up 35 and 20 on you. Like Julius Randle's a very good player, right? Hmm. But he's like a like a twenty to twenty three point tennis rebounds, very good player. Thirty and fifteen is one of his best games of the year. It like, should like not he, be thirty five and like 20. you shouldn't be letting that happen. It, it did go to double OT, but still, he I mean twenty and ten in the first half. They just don't play any defense. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean Julius was getting like literally every spot he wanted to. He was going to work very easily. Like. They they're just not interested in defense there. So until they start doing so, and I think Capella is the first. Yeah, Capella could help. I mean, he, uh, the pick and roll with Trey and Capella should be really good. It should be really good. So I mean, at this point, you really got to hope. Like, look, DeAndre Hunter's got to pick it up defensively. That was his mm-hmm. thing. Cam Reddish has to do literally anything in the NBA at this point. Kevin like, Knox two point Kevin Knox two point. And <laughs> it, it's sad, like when we have to say that kind of stuff, because it's like obviously we want guys to be successful, but it's like. You have to do a thing. You can't just be 19 or 20 and in the NBA. Right. And, and then everyone's like, oh, well, potential. He's athletic, no. he's tall, and he's skinny. That doesn't make you good. No. Like, you have to have a, some kind of an NBA skill. That's why even with the Frank Nielakina people yeah. in New York, I let them get a pass because, like, he at least has one elite NBA skill. I can see why people – but, like, what what are we doing here with him? I don't know. Like, Cam Reddish, it's like – That was the only guy I didn't want him to He's a good shooter. Well, he's not. Okay, well, he was in high school. Well, he wasn't in college, and it, he was wide open, probably the most wide open he'll ever be. And people are like, well, he wasn't getting as many shots up. And he, But if you can't shoot a basketball, you just can't shoot a basketball, and he doesn't do anything else particularly well, I don't see him panning out, but it's so early. So Okay, and uh, last little tidbit here is a little bit of a downer. So Isaiah Thomas got waived. Mm-hmm. Just makes me sad. That's all I got. It just makes me really sad. He he got traded to the Clippers. Clippers waived him. I mean, this is the third. He got waived again. This is the third time he's been traded now. He's the trade deadline all-star of the year, it seems like. I don't understand what is more incredible. How much potentially an injury hindered his career? Or, the like... You can't just mistakenly, like, get hot for a year, average 28 a game, and be in that MVP conversation. Like, that doesn't just, like, doesn't just happen. happen. So the fact that he could go from literally there, like, it's not Brad Steve, even if it's a combo of the perfect system, the best shooting of your life, the best team you're ever going to play on, a down here in the East, sure, you might play well. 
But you don't just you don't lead a team to deep in the playoffs and average twenty eight, and then two years later, like literally no one wants you close to your team because like the Nuggets had this problem. It was on the team. Everyone wanted Malone to put him in the game because he could be a spark off the bench scoring. Right. But Malone was like he. I mean, never said it, but by not playing him, it was clear. He's just not a good player. Teams take advantage of him on defense. So what happened just for this downfall? I think it's got to be the injury. I really, to me, like, I hate it ever pointing to one thing, but, like, it's got to be the injury and the combination of him playing through it. I think he really messed something up that year by playing through it. I think he was just feeling it MVP year. He, you know, he was having a ton of fun. Celtics fans were having a ton of fun. I'm sure he just wanted to keep that up and, but I think it ruined him, man. Uh, obviously, don't want to speak on stuff I don't know. But I mean, that's the vibe I get from it. I, I just feel sick because I really thought he was going to get some kind of a payday. And he, like, there's he, no way he's he's the worst player on the Clippers. I mean, there there is a way. Maybe he is, but it's not like for them to hold on to him for the second half of the year, and then like Shamit goes down and they need bench scoring. Like, it's really gotten to that point. That's tough to to believe. But he, I don't know. He can't move on defense. It's not even like he's bad at defense. He just can't even move on defense right. at this point. And the thing is, too, he's shooting 30, almost 9% from three, and it doesn't even matter. And that's insane in the NBA that you have a bench guard shooting 39%. Nobody cares. But, like, it does. And this in, they're, they're like, he brings nothing else to the table. The playmaking is kind of falling off steadily as he's, you know, been trying to get back on the horse here. But... It's sad. I, I I honestly just at this point I hope like the Celtics just do a do a good right you know do right deal and give him an assistant job or like an advisory position and just pay him for like ten years because I I don't know if <laughs> anybody else him, feels they guilty for sure but like they ruined that man's like I he nobody forced him to play like he played through the injury but like it rose me the wrong way man it makes yeah, me sad it's uh, tough all right before we leave biggest winner and loser of the deadline we'll keep it short. Um, you mean teams or players? Teams. Teams? Uh, I think Minnesota, actually. I think this is very straightforward. I think they're the biggest winners. Um, they lost, the, like I said, addition by subtraction, just not having Wiggins. Mm-hmm. You had D'Lo, you had Beasley. I think just that's a really strong flip in what they needed. Uh, biggest loser? I I hate to even, like, say it, but is it the Lakers? Yeah. Hundred percent, and I don't even think As, they really need. They didn't even need need to do anything, right? No, like, they did. They like, did though. But I felt like they, it was such a layup opportunity. They did. Like, so so many I, teams were interested in Kuzma. You couldn't find one person to just like. That was the only thing they really needed to like clean up a little bit with Anthony Davis. You know, I think biggest loser. I mean, I've seen the Lakers in person a few times this year, and it is extremely noticeable that the drop off from AD and LeBron to the next players on the team are just, they're not really good NBA players. And when it comes to the playoffs and you need complete performances from one through five, that's why the Raptors were great. No one could get taken advantage of. Everyone could hit their open shots. No one turned the ball over. And then you look at a team like the Lakers, they're just so top-heavy, and they're probably going to run into the Clippers, who are just too complete of a team. Vogel, I would imagine. Like, no one's given Vogel any crap yet because he's done nothing wrong. But when he gets outcoached by Doc Rivers in the playoffs, then, you know, people are going to come for his head. So biggest loser for me was the Lakers. And then, uh, what's his name? Darren Collison says he's not going to come. I saw that. And then, like, is J.R. Smith really the answer? Is that is that what no. they need? He's no. not. So biggest loser for me was Lakers. Biggest winner 
was the Milwaukee Bucks because no one in the East made a move. Iguodala was nice for the Heat, but if they if the Heat had gotten Gallinari, that that could have changed things because I think you know he's a big he would have been huge for them. Strong agree. But I just think it's the biggest win is the Bucks. They're the best team in the East. No one else did anything to permit them from going to the finals. So and then they signed Marvin Williams on a buyout, which was a nice addition. I think. I so. actually I'd like to resend my <laughs> Lakers. Uh, the biggest loser to me is the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, Sixers definitely should have. To me, and it's I don't I'm not even on the anti Tobias train because he's been actually pretty good these last couple uh-huh. of months, but um, the Al Horford thing makes no sense. It didn't from day one. Someone would have taken Al Horford. And you think? Yeah, I think you could have moved him. I, I feel like his contract, the the second half of it is so so the, bad. They would have had to pay a little bit to get him gone, but uh-huh. I think that the way I'm looking at it is they went all in on Embiid and Ben right. By signing, signing Tobias Harris, giving him the four years, they're like, look, we need talent with you guys. Yeah. So to me, it's like, I mean, you're not going to trade one of those guys right now, right? I mean, everyone talks about it online, but I don't think they're really considering nah, it. Nah. So you're committed to Tobias. Like, the only guy you really shouldn't be committed to, who you have sort of as Embiid insurance, mm-hmm. is Al Horford. Right. So your window you basically gave yourself with the amount of spending you've done is is for right now. and. They kind of acted in a way of being passive, and I feel like if they just cleared out the Horford situation, it would have made their life so much easier because it's very clunky. Like I get it for insurance purposes. When Embiid's not there, it, I think it's great. Right. But he is there, and he's going to be there a majority of the time, even with his injuries. Like you got to figure out a way to clean that up, and now they don't really have it. They literally, I mean, they're going to try and get in the buyout market, but the but the market's not that good, and they literally did the opposite of the Rockets. So what the Rockets did was, hey, Capella's a great player. This small ball stuff, it pr- it might not work. Who knows? We build a team around what we have, and we hope for the best. But what Maury knew was the Rockets were, like, you can't just beat your head against the wall. The Rockets were good, but they were the third or fourth best team in the West. They weren't going to win a title. You don't just get lucky in seven-game series. It's not the NFL. You can't just get hot shooting for three straight nights and you win a series. So he said, all right, we have these pieces. Let's actually change it up because we know what we have won't work, even though it's good. The Sixers were like, we just have so much talent. Let's just pray and hope it works. You never know, but it, the concept of it just doesn't make sense. They don't play to anyone's strengths in that system. I think they're, I mean, they could be the biggest losers as well, like you said. Yeah, I, I thought they needed a move there. But um, All right, so last thing before we get out of here, just try to stick on uh, brand here now. Uh, I Three to the Dome podcast, I need three hot takes from you, two basketball-related, one not. Oh, okay. I wasn't prepared for this. That's why I do it. Basketball hot takes. Um, All right. I I genuinely, like, while we were talking, I think LaMelo Ball is going to play point guard for the Knicks next year. I just, like, it just fits too well. And with that being said, he'll probably be the worst player in the league. But I'm just going to go with he plays point for for the Knicks. Okay. I said I'm all in on the Rockets. The problem is I think they're going to run into the Clippers. But let's say they avoid them. I think the Rockets can play in the NBA Finals this year. So on that quick no, one yeah. quick question to follow up then. If they played a Nuggets, how do you feel that would turn out? I think they smash them. I think, like, everyone says, all right, Jokic. Like, we went through the top four last night. It's like AD is a top big man. Clippers don't really have him, but they have the wing. 
Gobert, and Jokic, right? Those are the top four teams in the West. They're big. I think Jokic kills them down down low, probably. Sure. Yep. And I think, actually, it's really, if you have to double-team Jokic and he can find the man, the man open, that's a nightmare for the Rockets. If they just hope P.J. Tucker holds him to 30 a night, just which isn't him, yeah. right? But how in the world is Jokic guarding anyone when they go five out? Like, He's not. It, it, it's... It will lead to layups and open three-pointers, which I think is a net positive compared to. And we've seen Gobert when he gets stretched out. Sometimes he sticks with players, but Steph Curry has done. I mean, he's just done things on him. So I think that's why the system is great. You play to your strengths, and you trade threes for two, and you kind of hope for the best. You hope you shoot well four nights out of seven, and you advance in the playoffs. So... I think the the Clippers are a terrible matchup for them, but outside of that, I think the Rockets could go to the finals. Hot take outside of basketball. Just, just for the record, uh, the first one that was on this podcast was yeah. Dave DeFore telling everybody that lemon pepper wings are actually trash. So They are trash. Yeah. That's not a hot F- take. Followed that up by eggnog uh, is trash, which is also true. Oh, man. Hot take. I would have to go... I'd have to go. Have you ever had the smiley French fries? Don't are you familiar with Don't them? Do this to me, Jack. Those are the best French fries in the world. I think so. You, they're frozen. You put them in the oven. They're just like childhood memories. They're soft but crispy on the outside. You lather them up with ketchup. The ketchup drips through the eyes. Best French fry in the world, smiley French fry. I actually, I swear in my life, I walked around New York City. I don't think I was at Whistle, was I? No, you were. I remember this day I was following you on Twitter and you was were I? trying to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're the GOAT. So I walked around New York City. Not many people sell them anymore. Target was out. 7-Eleven doesn't have them even in their frozen food. So they're tough find. But, man, they're good. Okay. Uh, that was a tale of perseverance. So I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Um but anyway, just make sure you're following us on all platforms. Wait, you don't give a hot take or anything? It's I just mean, for the I mean, guests? Oh, yeah, it's for the guests. I, my takes are always hot. <laughs> um, no, all right, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. So my, my take. I want a non-basketball. Okay. I don't even care about the basketball. Okay. I need your non-basketball hot take. Okay, so my mine. this isn't even going to be food-related because I always go food-related. I think, per our discussion earlier, not on the podcast, I think the XFL is actually going to hang around. I think... I think they've hit the the fratty college kid market. I think that they're going to stick with that and really lean into it. And I think for whatever reason, this time it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I don't know if it will be, but that's my gut feeling. I think they really got enough momentum this time. I'm rooting for them. I think the biggest question is, what is a success to them? That we might not know for 20 years, but... That's an excellent question. Is is just being a league successful? Is having games every Saturday and Sunday in the spring on ESPN successful? Is competing against the NFL successful? That would be the biggest question, but I like what they did. Yeah, like in terms of... Last thing I'll say is like just in terms of fitting in that second point you made. Just like, I think the goal is to just exist <laughs> in the spring as a league that's fun, that isn't the NFL, that... Maybe isn't college level either, but it's right about there. Like, that's, I think, where they want to sit, at least for the foreseeable future. If they do that, I feel like they could really own it. But that's my one hot take. Just because I saw a lot of people, it was a hot topic this weekend, obviously. And some people were just like, oh, well, this is, this is garbage. Get us off my TV. And some people like me were just eating it up because I wanted to. <laughs> but, um, you know, shout out my Guardians, 1 0, undefeated, no big deal. But, um, I, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. I'm excited. So we'll see what happens. But, cool. um, 
So make sure you're following us on uh, all platforms on social media, at Whistle Sports. Uh, you can find me, of course, at Kyle Maggio on Instagram, Twitter, uh, everywhere. You can find Jack at Just Jack Settlement on yep. Twitter. Uh, same on Instagram, I assume. Same on Instagram. Same, same everywhere. Uh, make sure you're, obviously, you should know him from Snapchat, uh, Snapchat by now, but if you're not, check him out there. Uh, check out his Snapchat sports, Snapchat, Snapback snap chat, sports, Snapback snap yep. chat, Snapback sports pod. Just follow me on one platform and you'll find the rest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a content factory at this point. So, um, yeah, and just stay tuned with everything else. Uh, subscribe to this podcast, obviously. Drop us a five-star rating so I stay employed. I would enjoy that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, see you guys next time.